You are listening to Claret and Blue, an Aston Villa podcast brought to you by Birmingham Live. Hello and welcome to this live episode of the Claret and Blue podcast. I'm Dan Rowlands and I'm joined by James Rushton. First of all, James, how are you dealing with this heat? Because it's boiling in here. <laughs> Not very well, if I'm honest. I'm, I'm, I'm done. Like, God, can't even have my window open because you want the best quality recording uh, environment. So it's really hot in here. Uh, it's bearable. It's fine. I'm not going to moan too much. Yeah, well, I mean, I'll never complain about being cold again. Let's just put it that way. We don't have the, the budget for hair and makeup either. So we've all <laughs> yeah, got pink, sorry. sweaty foreheads and, uh, and and sweaty sweaty hands as well, which isn't <laughs> nice. Um, but yes, we've got a few topics we're going to talk about. We're going to be here for the next half an hour, 45 minutes or so. Um, so you can ask your questions to us, but hopefully we're going to be kind of proactive and cover some of the things that you want discussed anyway uh one question that i put to facebook earlier this week was what would co- what would you call a successful season for dean smith and villa next year so i want to i want to open with that really because that sparked quite a lot of debate on facebook and i'm hoping that people will, will get involved in the conversation now as well um so we use that as a spring springboard james what, what would you say would be success for villa next season i know it's early because transfers have to happen and things <laughs> like that but we, we've got to have yeah. some kind of predictions anything that isn't like relegation uh confirmed or denied on the last day if we can kind of get that done with a few a few weeks early i'd see that as a massive success uh, mid-table i've just seen a comment come up uh, mid-table perfectly acceptable let's get it done but let's get this relegation conversation out of the way in a good way by say march early march yeah Villa can't go down i'd, I'd love that I, I don't know is that possible for most yeah. of them. I think you have to be like the best up the, up the top of the table. But if we can be outside of that um, scrap by a good few weeks before the season closes, by the judge, by the standards we set last season, that would be massively successful for me. Um, just get keep building on the on the pitch improvements, be solid at the back, kind of find that threat up front, I guess, again. Yeah. Find that attacking might because that was one of the highlights at the start of the season. We probably didn't do the best with um, the, the players we had or the chances we had. But to have some excitement up front would be a massive positive. Um, just keep the stability, keep the plan going forward. And it, it seems like the club's on a really nice path at the moment with the um, Joanne Lange hire, the um, Rob McKenzie hire. Yep. It just seems like they're making smart moves. So the smartest move to me, Craig Shakespeare as well, the smartest move would be get that stability, but bring a little bit more positivity out of it. Let's um, have a good season. Yeah, I think there's probably a little bit of nuance to be had between the difference between a successful season and kind of an acceptable season. Because yeah. as of right now, I think if you just said Villa will finish 17th again next year, I, as much as staying in the Premier League is part of what Villa need to do to build some kind of consistency, I don't know whether I'd call that successful at this yeah, point. It's... Especially because there's a lot of transfers to happen and things like that. Just aiming for 17th wouldn't wouldn't be succept, uh, successful. I would say that's more acceptable. That should be the minimum target for Villa. I think a successful season is, is like what a lot of people are saying in the comments here, kind of mid-table and a cup run, top 10 yeah. and a cup run, not being in a relegation fight. I think any kind of measure of success would be that it has to be an improvement on last year. So if you're yeah. 13th and above and you do do well in the cups as well and like you said you're kind of comfortable all the way throughout the season that would that would be a successful season for Villa right now obviously other people watching this that might not be Villa fans will be thinking 13th place in the Premier League is successful like winning trophies is, is success but baby steps right yeah I think like say if it was last season and the Premier League season finished exactly the same you have to rely on things going your way you, you, you kind of have that mucky goal at West Ham 1-1 and you, you still survive but if you added in that Villa beat Manchester City in the Carabao Cup final, like what does that make this more? Would that make yeah. last season more successful than say nothing yeah. and fifteenth but comfortable next season? It's it's hard, but I think Villa fans just want to see 
positive signs without looking over their shoulder constantly. I think we've had a number of seasons where even in the playoffs, it's like you're looking at the teams behind you. You're constantly calculating what other teams are doing. Yeah. Not next season. Nah, not for me. Anything but that next season, that'll be fine. I think there was a podcast that me and Matt did where we looked at Southampton as the as the model, whereas they, it was something like they'd only scored 10 more goals than us and only conceded 10 less or something like that. So, you know, not a massive margin, but they finished like 17 points better off than us. They were comfortably <laughs> in, the, in the mid-50s, I think. And this is without without checking the actual uh, the facts of it, as usual Current on this podcast. Blue, uh, yeah, <laughs> um, But you know what I mean? We're not a million miles away from being able to finish 12th or 13th no. and be comfortable in the Premier League. So that would be a success. And I think think like you say if you're comfortable around february march and thinking oh yeah there's you know there's very little chance of us having a collapse and going down here you want to go as far as you can in the cups as well let's win a trophy for once that's been yeah. our first major trophy for what 20 years 25 years That'd be lovely. yeah i think that was a, that would have been a good one and um, that league cup last year that was a massive opportunity for villa yeah. just to kind of just get that date update the dates on the league cup record you know what i mean I that would have been nice but you know we've got to look forward to we've got a season to look forward to now and like after the events of last season, this is one where you're looking forward to a bit. No matter what happens in the transfer window, there's reason to be a bit more excited. This, I mean, the excitement last season was pretty big, but I think this season it's a whole new ball game. Villa shouldn't be in this rele- relegation conversation. They shouldn't. Not this. Not next season. Yeah, there's a comment here saying we should be proud of the Midlands of finishing above, above Wolves and Albion. And if we finish above Wolves, I think we'll be having a, a very, very successful season. So I'd still expect them to be in the top eight at least next year. So if we yeah. finish in the, in the in the top seven or above, Tony Adams, I'll uh, personally give you a tenner, maybe. Tony Adams knows <laughs> his football as well, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah, I wonder if it's the same name one. for understanding everything. Yeah, it's got to be watching a Aston Villa podcast live. I don't know why he'd be doing that. There you go. Um, if we, like you said before, if we did finish 17th and it was a struggle again next season, would you still accept that? Is that still okay? I don't know what kind of yardstick you use to define what's acceptable or not. I mean, if the plan is clearly going in a good place, but then would it be going in a good place if it's exactly the same again? Um, if mm. the plan that they've set in, in place with the um, the positive highs they've made behind the scenes, stuff they're doing at academy level, it might take years for like the the fruit to bear from yeah. this plan you know what i mean can we be can we judge it on a good or bad season this season when seasons are so dynamic i don't know but um hopefully we're not even having that conversation i, I wouldn't want to consider that because it is it's something that will cause massive friction like can villa go down and be successful obviously not like that that can't be true yeah. but if they're moving in general in the right direction that that's cool that for me that's cool but i, I guess it wouldn't be you know going down tanking again and having that whole conversation we don't need that's a nightmare that's not even go there yeah it's uh i just don't want a season like the one we just had like i said at the start of this being in the premier league is where you need to be to kind of mount any kind of success mm. over a long period of time so if we were starting the premier league in the 2021 20, 22 season again then yes absolutely you have to you have to be happy with that but if it's a struggle and you you survive and you'll start you start losing players and, and things like that then yes that's a, a different story but enough of the negativity um one thing, actually, before we move on, are you at the oh, stage one more yet? Negative of, thing. No, 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 no. Just a total, like, <laughs> random point that I've seen from what from the way people are typing their comments. Are you at the point where you're now calling the 2020-2021 season this season, or is it still next season? I can't get my yes. head around which it is yet. We, until that season starts, it's next season, and because our last season's finished, it's last season. So, but we're yeah, in so between. yeah, so it's last. There season, is no isn't this last season. Year? There's no this season unless you're referring by this season, last season. <laughs> See, I would say where are Villa going to finish this season? 
but it's next season, isn't it? Still, really, even though next season sounds yeah. like it should be the year after. Um, there's a comment here from a guy. I'm not going to be able to pronounce, but I'll give it a go. Himant Katana, probably wrong. He says, "When will the fixtures be released? Is there is there an official date for this yet? Do we know? Because the season kicks off in 20 days or something." Yeah, um, I, don't, I, I assume it'll be soon, but it's gonna. I feel like it has to take into consideration like the Europe. The, the club's playing in Europe. I know. I think it's just Manchester United and Man City, right? Yeah, so, I think so. Cause Char- I was going to say Chelsea and Wolves, but um, unfortunately, uh, both knocked out. Um, but yeah, yeah, I think it has to take into consideration where they end up because they'll have like, what, 12 days, 12, 15 it's days season, from it? the last game to the next game, which is crazy. But um, it's going to be soon. Like, it's going to happen. I think people are always asking when the fixture's coming out, like the kit, it's like the kit, when, yeah. when's the kit coming out? It, it comes out, they can't, it can't not come out. So yeah, it'll be soon. It's going to happen, obviously. And this is one of those totally arbitrary questions that a bit like, is a kit good or not? And it's a bit like, oh, what, why are we talking about this? It doesn't seem important. Is there a fixture that you'd like to start the season with? Is there anyone you look at and think, oh, that'd be a nice start to the Premier League? Or anyone you'd like I to avoid? I don't want to play Man U on the first day. You know, Man City, Man U, Arsenal, Liverpool, Chelsea. I'd, the, any big team on the first <laughs> so day, basically. Avoid anyone good, yeah. Um, good, good games would be any derby, so you... Wolves, oh, you won't uh, start rivalry. a derby. I wouldn't more, have thought. No, more of a, more of a rivalry, I guess, than a, a straight flat out derby. But West Brom would be grand. Leeds would be fun. Newcastle, anywhere there's a bit of friction, you know, a bit of yeah. needle. Even if it's not a rivalry or derby, just where something where oh, the fans won't even be there. What I, am I saying? That's literally ah. what I, my next point was going to be. Oh, well, yeah, I'd love to start with a home game, but home does, away does, doesn't, doesn't, doesn't matter. matter. Doesn't matter, does it? Really? We, we still no. don't know what what will happen with uh, with fans being allowed back it's in the what, stadium. What would make like make Villa versus Leeds especially, it's just like how on form those fans would be. Oh, can you imagine like the, the atmosphere between game. those two? That that would be Ooh. brutal. And I think like like whatever happens, it would just be electric. And I feel like as a fan, like as someone that is looking very much forward to going back to Villa Park. Like, I remember Villa versus Man U when it was on the fr- the first Friday night game. Yeah. That was like electric. It was like the Everton a bit a bit lower down than the Everton one this season. But it's just get. I want to hear that again. I want my ears to split from fans singing. <laughs> oh, that's important to me, man. Um, I think it's probably about time. Ten minutes in, the thing everyone's been waiting for: transfer talk. <laughs> There's this is. So I'm going to put my personal opinion across here first of all. I don't really understand the massive kind of clamour for transfer dues. I don't know. That probably yeah. makes me the odd one out. But I don't really ha- get any enjoyment of scouting through websites and looking for little bits of information but I know that's what the world is like so we have to go and talk about these different things but the way that these things work is that they often change last minute don't they you can can be linked with a player they can be booking medicals and all sorts and things still don't go through so I'm always one of those ones that kind of likes to wait a little bit until I see them holding a scarf up or holding the shirt up or whatever it is Um, but we'll we'll talk about the latest latest news uh, first the big one that seems to be kind of gaining any kind of traction before any others is Ollie Watkins now, in the transfer video that you and me did, we made a big talk about Ben Rama and then a little bit about Watkins. But because they're both, changes with, right? I know, yeah. Switches around because they're both with Brentford, and it was the whether they go up or stay down um, has it as a bearing on whether they're there or not. Obviously, we both know now. We all know now that Brentford are in the Championship next season. There was talk about having a, a release clause for Ollie Watkins of eighteen million. I think that's now been proved to be false. And Brentford yeah. want 20 to 25 million. Uh, the latest yesterday was Sky Sports News saying that Villa are preparing a bid, whatever that means. Uh, I don't know how you prepare a bid. Surely you just bid 
and make an offer. Um, but is there any developments on, on Ollie Watkins? I know there's, there's a few clubs that seem interested in him now. Not really, other than that Dean Smith clearly, clearly wants him to be part of the team. There's nothing major going on. And I feel like the biggest thing you can say about this current transfer window is it's clearly not like any others because you look at a free transfer, one of the biggest free agents available is Ryan Fraser, who yeah. has moved nowhere. Like he, there is, He's not holding up a scarf or a shirt. He's available and no one's went in for him. The, the moves that have happened... Is, is that something about the player, though, rather than the transfer yeah. window? <laughs> possibly, possibly. But, like, you see the moves that have happened, the things that were very clearly kind of organised a while before. Like, Callum O'Hare to Coventry, very clearly... Bellingham to Dortmund. ...going to happen. Yeah, and Bellingham to Dortmund has been going on for ages. Stuff that's happened, even in the mega deals, like, have Manchester United bought Jadon Sancho, yeah? All this stuff is just existing and no club is really making that move because I think if Villa went in straight now 25 millions for uh, 25 million for uh, Ollie Watkins you know does that set the bar then does that set the bar that Villa are the only club that get going to spend money so if Villa want to play a club can ask more I think so someone has it... to set the ball rolling don't they there's, a, there's yeah. usually a bit of um, a domino effect with transfers that somebody will make a move and then a few others will, will move elsewhere for example if Ben Rama is linked with Chelsea or Arsenal or someone like that and he makes a big move that will then kind of set a chain of events after the after the fact so someone needs to make a big move somewhere for that to kind of kick off um yeah. the, the thing i've seen with uh Atkins, watkins a lot is fans kind of suggesting will he be the main striker that we sign will he be the only one because that seems to be a bit of a concern that yes he scored goals in the championship but is he going to come in for 18 to 20 million and start every game for villa next year and be able to score the goals that we require yeah, I think the, the important thing about Ollie Watkins is that he can play up front and on the wing, which is, of course, massively... That versatility yeah, like is massively important to Villa. Because if you're spending £25 million on Ollie Watkins, he doesn't necessarily have to be that main striker. He can be that main winger as well. Yeah. Like, I think that's that's quite ignored. He's a very good striker and he's clearly improving, but he can play on the wing as well, which is a taboo for Villa because that means instead of saying £50 million for both Ben Rama and Ollie Watkins, which is amazing, you know, I'd, I'd do that. I'd love that to happen. You can kind of get two for one with, with Watkins and then look elsewhere if you want another main striker, another main winger, because you've got a guy yeah. brought in for kind of, if you consider him two players, 12 and a half million each for kind of the winger and the striker. It's a no, no brainer. And if you, if you put in so much faith in the, your, your current um, squad of like Wesley, Davis and Samara, bringing Watkins in gives him a kick up the backside to kind of improve. Yeah. It, it lets Wesley have a space if he's comfortable to when he returns and hopefully firing fit. But also it lets Villa go, hang on, do we need another striker? Do we need another winger? It gives them, gives them options to consider it lets him move in for another striker it lets him move in for another winger so if Watkins comes in I don't see him being the only one up front yeah agreed at all I think you're probably looking at a, a combination of Wesley probably Watkins and this is you know with I must state with no insider information but he seems to be the most progressed out of all the rumours Wesley Watkins and then one other and then you'd have Wesley and or the other striker playing up front and Watkins maybe on the right-hand side with Grealish on the left or, or another winger or whatever you, you go for. Um, who that third striker then is, I'm not sure. One that's been talked about, another W, WWW up front, uh, Callum Wilson with a link of Scott Hogan going the other way, which I've seen yeah. a, you know, a lot of kind of um, banter on social media of kind of 10 million and Hogan and that's a good deal for Villa more so than it is for Bournemouth because it gets gets Hogan off the books as well. Um, is he one that you think is a is one worth chasing, Wilson and Watkins as a duo? 
Yeah, I mean, it's very it's very easy in a transfer window to say, I'll be fairly happy with that. And then Watkins and Wilson don't score for like six, seven games. <laughs> no negativity on is, this podcast, mate. No, which is like proper, proper villa. But like, if you were to ask me right now, Watkins and Wilson, um, a gamble on the wing for another 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 winger who can be kind of explosive score goals, um, an improvement in midfield as well, maybe an addition at the back. Be very. I'll be. I'll be happy with that. Callum Wilson clearly has what it takes in the Premier League. Ollie Watkins has a lot to prove, and he's he's done the job in the Championship. There's no reason he shouldn't be able to kind of step up that level now. Yeah. Um. I'd I'd, I'd be fairly happy with that because you like, you need to move Hogan on as well, right? Like he he has to go. He will leave. Because, I think. Because not just because of a negative stance. It's like he's not going to get in at Villa. And, like this is the guy who can clearly cut it at the Championship, and he deserves that chance to impress and kick on. Like he should be out be willing to move and I feel like Villa should if that moves there they should they should take it regardless of whether Wilson's involved or not if there's a path to get to you know Sal Hogan and move on I think that works best for everyone to be honest yeah there's a rumour here that is not on my notes, but I did want to mention because I saw it a uh, couple of days ago from Lorna, Lorn. Uh, she says, what, she, he, I, I don't even know. I can't see the pictures. I'm not guessing, but I can't see the, <laughs> the close-ups from, from so far away. What's your opinion on Benteke? Apparently, eight million is what would be required for for uh, getting him away from Crystal Palace. This is a, a romantic choice, isn't yeah. it? Bring back Benteke. I'm I'm not 100% convinced, but you do think, oh, eight million. Is it is it worth it? He's on a lot of wages. Yeah, like you've got to consider the wages as well. I mean, if you're bringing in the player that doesn't fit inside Villa's wage structure on a hundred and ten grand a week or whatever, you know what I mean? Bring if you know, let's take he's going to take a, a wage cut, which you could possibly do. But he can, he's clearly going to be starting games at Palace. He starts there in fits and bursts for them. He's, he's, he's a rotation player for him. If he's coming in Villa to be the main guy. I mean, in 2016, that would be amazing. In 2020, I'm I'm not so sure. Yeah. Um, I feel like the club should look in a different direction. I mean, it's eight million sounds cheap when you consider the whole package, the opportunity cost that takes eight million away from a, a better winger, a, a better striker. Even if it's taking eight million out of another potential deal and a massive wage package, uh, I'm not I'm not with it, Dan. <laughs> Is that yeah? If that's the difference between signing an okay 20 million striker and Benteke, or a big name, thirty million striker, then you'd you'd prefer to go for the second choice there. Yeah, like Benteke, as you know, like as we've experienced, really it's like Grealish in a way where Grealish can thrive without that crowd. Benteke needs it. He needs the, yeah. the pe- people backing him vocally because he, he he evolves in during a game. You know, when people roar him on, he will start barging people down and he will get involved, but he, he can shrink a lot, you know, despite like the attitude he has, the, the physicality he has. He, he, will, he can shrink. He needs, he needs that confidence backing him. And I fail to see how that will happen behind closed doors. Yeah, and I think if we remember the Benteke that we saw, I keep going between Benteke and Benteke. I, never, I can never decide which one I prefer. Um, the Benteke that we saw at Villa Park a few weeks ago, not really doing anything, then getting sent off after the full-time whistle. If that was yeah. a Villa player that had done that, if that was Wesley that had done that, I think there'd be a lot of people slating him going, oh, what what, what do we want this guy for? So to kind of bring bring Benteke home for 8 million, I like the idea of it, but I think it's, uh, like you said, one for 2016, not 2020. Um, yeah. Roger Holder says, why are you assuming Wesley will be ready to be chosen anytime soon? He may not even be fit until Christmas, if at all, next season. I don't know what the latest is with Wesley's injury. I know that he was obviously doing a lot of work in Brazil uh, during the lockdown. When football came back, he came back as well. Uh, there was pictures of him uh, in the celebrations at West Ham on the final day. He was walking around. Do we know what the, what the time scale is yet? Is it Christmas? I, I assumed it would be closer than that. 
I think the original timescale for kind of the type of injury he had, and this was going back a few months to when it actually occurred. It was, was January, October. wasn't it? New Year's Day. Yeah, so, so January. Nine months, ten months. Yeah, October, and that's not too far away, but there's still a decent bit of time for recovery work to take place. Assuming that's still on, I mean, he would clearly be... If, if my striker's coming back in October, he'd clearly be um, part of the plans. I don't see why why that would change. I mean, he's been linked to Lazio, but I feel like, my, from my own experience of covering Italian clubs, there's a lot that goes around with, with these Italian clubs, right, in that they will just float loads of names because there's a guy they want in this pack of names that they'll send out. And say in Lazio's case, that's uh, Vedat Mariki. <coughs> I'll just say, right, we'll bid Wesley for 30 million because he's injured and you know no one wants him. They lower your price on Mariki, or we'll go for this guy. Yeah. There's stuff like that that's sent out. Like, you know, he, he's still an, he's on the radar of teams. He's still capable. He'll come back in, hopefully in October, fit and firing to go. It's a serious injury he's had, so yeah, we'll have to wait and see. But the original prognosis is October. I can't see how that's changed much from what I've seen. He doesn't seem to have suffered any major setbacks, but then. Um, both setbacks be revealed they they usually aren't so we'll have to wait and see uh, another one on the list was Milo Rashista who we talked about in our last week's podcast episode um, he was left out of uh, Werder Bremen's squad at some at some stage since that last episode saying that you know there's a, a possible transfer happening with him somewhere um, you know heads not in it all the usual cliches uh, he's linked with us he's linked with Wolves as well I think he possibly was linked with Leicester unless I'm getting confused with somebody else is there any chance of this one progressing with Villa or is a, a a kind of a Wolves or Leicester I was going to say a bigger club but you know what I mean someone who can offer yeah. European football potentially are they going to come in and, and snoop in for this one swoop in for this one sorry yeah it's not like you consider them bigger it's like they're a few steps ahead in their plan of Villa yeah. they've got more money to spend their wage structure will progress you know Wolves is clearly you know space you know, that's clearly the type of player that they want linked to Liverpool Leipzig Dortmund I don't feel like Villa... They would have to offer a hell of a lot to bring him Rashidza in after giving the starting role, which he will get. He'll get that starting role. The way he structured the money, there's better opportunities on offering for him, unfortunately. That's me speaking as a Villa fan. Like He would be a great signing, but I feel like if there's these opportunities, he'll have to do a Veritu and kind of turn down <laughs> Leicester and gun for, uh, gun for Villa, but, which is, it's of course, possible. It's not negativity saying that. It's more so realism in that... He can stay in his home country, the country he's currently playing in, sorry, because he's Kosovan. So he can stay in uh, Germany and play for a team that's clearly progressing in Leipzig, a, a giant in Dortmund. Or he can move to uh, England where Liverpool have been interested, there's interest from Leicester and Wolves. So I feel like there's a lot of options there. So it's not just that Villa shrinking those options, it's just that there is a number of them as well that he's got to pick. And I think there's a few more that might just be a little more attractive to him. But, that being said, there was a photo. <laughs> yeah, what there about you go. This? What about this exciting little photo that Marvellous Akamba dropped yesterday? A throwback Thursday with my bro, Milo Rashista. He commented underneath my brother, and I think Alex Samata also commented an emoji underneath it or something. Um, <laughs> yeah. Fueling fire Villa fans saying, oh, why, why post that? What, does he know something's going on? Uh, I, you know, I don't like kind of raining on anyone's parade. Like <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't want like raining on any parade, but like footballers as a community, it's close knit community. So like most footballers will know each other and be friends and hang out and speak, especially if been playing in the same countries. Yeah. So you know, it's like James Madison and Jack Grealish hang out all the time. Does that mean Jack Grealish is going to Leicester? Like, no, it doesn't. Ne- it doesn't necessarily mean anything at all. But look. Um, Villa fans, we love to dream, we love to hope, we love speculation. Why not? Just jump aboard the ride until Rashid Rashid's is holding up that wall scarf. <laughs> like, why not? Jump aboard. 
Um, just as we're, we're live, obviously, there's a little bit of talk on Twitter uh, right now saying that Ollie Watkins has been spotted at the Belfry. How many people have been spotted at the Belfry over the again, last few years? Let's get it straight, right? Again, maybe he's just there <laughs> to, to play around the golf, but it's, you know, it's one of those, isn't it? Um, if he's there, great. Just because he is there doesn't mean a deal will get done. Yeah, um, let's not forget Dan James was holding up lead shirts. Like yeah. and Joe Bryan had the kit on, a little bit of kit on, and then Adam Boyle had a tour of Body More Heat at one stage. Yeah, yeah. So these, you know, <laughs> things you can get an offer on a table ready to sign it. If something happens, so you know, until that player is hold. And look, what was the um, player? The was it Leroy Fur, and there was a, a yeah, big rumor yeah, about yeah. him. Like done deal, complete done deal. You have the best possible kind of source telling you done deal. You write up a post saying done deal, and it's like, yeah, it's off the cards now. Here's Tom Carroll. <laughs> So like, these things happen until he's holding up a bit of scarf, until he's registered with the team, until both teams have agreed and confirmed it. It's not not for me. There's no uh, no kind of strength in it, after, especially after the things that have happened to this club over the last few years. But look, um, again, like we said about Rashid's in the photo, speculation, jump aboard, why not? It's fun. And also, let's just say that this is just a tweet saying Watkins yeah. spotted there. There's no picture of it. There's no video <laughs> of it. Um, it's just uh, apparently he's at Bodymore Heath with uh, at the Belfry with some Villa stuff. Again, yeah, anyone could tweet things like that. Let's just say, before we get called negative in the comments like we usually do, I would love this move to happen. I think this is one of the ones that Villa should definitely be after. It's a, one of the ones that felt realistic from that massive list that we went through. Um, like you said, he can play up front, he can play on the right. If it, You know, you can sign 20 million Ollie Watkins and he still plays in the first team alongside another big-name striker as well. So it feels like one of those ones that makes sense, a lot of sense for Villa. Um so yeah, let's 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 hope that there's some truth in it. Um, I'm not going to get carried away with tweets saying it is is an X Y Z. But if you're going on about that tweet, another one's just come out two minutes ago saying, uh, "I don't want to say that Watkins' girlfriend's posted a video of him and a story of them both sunbathing." So uh, unless okay. there's, some, I mean, it's hot enough in the Balfour to sunbathe right now. <laughs> but um, I think there's a comment that's come up. Jackson, you let me dream. I feel like that's yeah, the key fair. speculation. Just having fun, like that. Like, every scene, just have fun with it. I mean, it's your dream team and what Villa sign are going to be completely different because their plans are kind of their plans and kind of kept uh, away from everyone. Of course, they don't want to reveal anything or reveal any cards because, you know, this, yeah. this transfer window, as we said, relies on that first stone being rolled right because then it's just then it's going to be chaos as usual. But I don't think Villa want to push out there and say, right, we're going to spend all this money and all, on all these players because that just weakens their position, totally dilutes their position on any kind of negotiation table because if they're willing to spend more than other teams, it's going to affect anything they do. One of those stones that doesn't look like it's been rolled at the moment, I don't want to dwell on this one too much, is that Jaden Sancho will stay at Dortmund, according to their club uh, sporting director, Um the obvious talking point here is that, yeah, we have to mention it. Like I said, I don't want to dwell on it. What does this non-deal now mean for Man United and Jack Grealish? Hopefully nothing. Not a hell of a lot, to be honest. It's, it's like, if it's a world that exists where both players play for Manchester United. It's not one I want to imagine at all, to be honest. <laughs> because I don't want them having Jaden Sancho from because that is going to highlight Manchester United bloody going back to the top of everything. But also, um, then buying Jack Grealish and having Jaden Sancho at the same time annoys me. Like, frankly, annoys me. Fair play to him. But, um, you know, as a Villa fan, you don't want to imagine Jack Grealish going out. I don't know if the Sancho deal, deal has much bearing at all on whatever they choose to do with Jack Grealish because, you know, they're both different players at the end of the day and they can both do good things at a, at a big club as Grealish is doing at Villa. Um, means nothing. Like At the end of the day, they could sign both. They could sign neither. Until it happens, it happens. 
Didn't their sporting director wouldn't say that one of their players wasn't leaving categorically as well and then the following season he was gone? Like these things happen. It's all part of the game, isn't it? You, yeah. you do have to say, oh yeah, we want, have to bluff. we want to hold on to this player, but it doesn't really mean anything ultimately. You have to bluff. You have to send out kind of <clears throat> full support. You have to do whatever you can to strengthen your position. Yeah, yeah. Holding on to, you know, should, as Villa deserved with Jack Grealish, as Blues deserved with Jude Bellingham, you deserve top dollar for the players you've produced like or, yeah. or developed. Like Jaden Sancho moved from City to, to Dortmund and has developed there. You deserve top dollar for that work. Like so they deserve every every any tactic they can use to kind of get the most amount of money possible. Good for them because if it's good for them, it's also good for Villa. Um, we're going to move on now to some yeah. viewer questions that I got from Twitter. There's three that I wanted to go through here, but obviously I knew we'd be live. So if anyone's got any questions that you want to ask, you can do so. We'll be here for another 10 minutes probably because I am starting to melt. Um, <laughs> the first one that we had, had yesterday came through from Omar. And I know that we've kind of talked about this off air a little bit to, to prepare. Uh, who is the best value for money signing Aston Villa have made in the last 10 years? Cross McCormack. <laughs> Those police are coming for you, mate. We don't know. <laughs> like I don't know. They've heard the bad take already. The bad take cops on their way. Um, there's a, there's one name that instantly swings to mind that I think everyone would agree on John McGinn. <laughs> yeah. Two and a half, three million. Absolutely no need to, to say any more about that one whatsoever. Um, but besides that, are there any more left field shouts that you can think of? I, I've got two more names. It depends on what you term value for money because if you yeah. term fee divided by appearances, you know, you're going to give Ashley Westwood and Leandro Bakuna a good <laughs> shout. Fair play to Westwood, but Bakuna was clearly not getting on very well at uh, Villa or towards the end. Of spe- I mean, the first season's all right, banging in those free kicks on the wing, but when you move to centre back, right back up front, and you, you, you know, you, you're saying things about Champions League, it's probably not value for money in the way fans want. Like, if you're yeah, paying, you know like- my thoughts on Leandro Bakuna. <laughs> Um, but I think Westwood's a good shout. Benteke, I don't know. Because you go See, back and it's I, the I way fees Benteke. change, right? Yeah, I thought Benteke is kind of a left field, a little bit of a wild card. Because you look at that and think 8 million and think <laughs> value for money for me means cheap as well. Because, you know, bringing a cheap player and they kind of over, overperform. And Benteke does that at 8 million and we sell him for, for a decent profit and his goals keep us in the Premier League. So value for money, yes, that does make sense. A similar one that I saw as a reply on Twitter was James Chester. And again, I thought, well, eight million for a centre back, but he again he, he offered us a, a great deal for the club, and obviously now has moved to Stoke permanently as well. And we wish wish him all the best if he's watching, which he isn't. Um, so yeah, maybe, but I think they're a little bit more questionable. I like the ones that are kind of at a million, two million, three million. Yeah, as, as absolute more bargains in any window because I, yeah. I I think I remember going Fabian Dalf, but he was eight million pound as like a yeah. teenager, which is like that's quite expensive. Then there's, you know, um, Ashley Young. Not, it was only two million less than Stuart Downing, which was fairly expensive at the and time. And you're talking so. 15 years ago at this point. Carew, probably. Swapping Barosh, who had yeah. kind of been, you you know, come to the end of his stay at the club getting Carew. It's like, that speaks to me as great value. Um, John McGinn takes cake, though. Uh, I was going to say Martin Larson, um, but three million for a defender kind of not playing a lot with injury issues. It's in 2003 four is like that that is what you'd expect us <laughs> to pay from and he only had like one full season as well right so yeah. I don't think, I mean for the memories yes but for the what you got out of him I don't know there's two that haven't been mentioned that are still at the club that again I've seen on Twitter so I'm not I'm not being totally crazy with, with offering these two Connor Harrahan um, yeah. his fees widely reported as being anywhere from one to three million 
even if, it, even if it is three million, I'd still I'd still have him on this list. If it's one million, yes, it's an absolute bargain. Uh, you know, he's played in every division. I think his character is shows that he's a winner. Whether he's got the ability to be a top end Premier League footballer um, or a consistent thirty eight game a season Premier League footballer, I'm not so sure. But I think for you know when you're building a squad, I think somebody with the mentality of Conor Harahan is someone that you'd want in there. Um, and the other name is is El Mohamed for a million. Yeah. Again, not, not the bad. most flashy player and someone that at, at stages in his career I've not particularly rated. But I think overall, when you're looking at a player that has been fairly consistent in his time, he's, he's been he's been there in some of the big moments. He's contributed in some big big moments with with uh, assists for important goals. Um, yeah, not like I said, not not kind of flashy, but steady and, and comfortable and capable. Yeah, not horrific signings at all. I think you could even any any. Players you're getting for a free that you use fairly well, who's still playing at Premier League level. You know, dare I say, it, like Neil Taylor as well. You get use out of these players. For, I mean, uh, for him, Jordan A. Jordan A. Hurts, but to get a player in for essentially nothing, right? And he's he's performing at Premier League level, not to the highest standard, right? But like that's still value, isn't it? Like it's like saying Bakuna. It's all these players fall into this little pit of of value where you get a fair bit out of them for the cost, which is kind of minimal. But then again, you could say. Would you say Lewis grabbing on loan, firing us to the uh, playoffs? Yeah, but the loan isn't, isn't value for me, it's is good. it? But you get yeah, but you don't buy him, are you? You're just getting like killing Sunderland season off and getting loads of goals. Yeah, true. Yeah, fair point. Could go yeah. on all day. All right, all right, all right. When I thought about it, I was like, "Oh, last ten years." And I instantly went back to thinking about, "Oh, uh, Ashley Young, blah blah blah." But they were more than ten years ago, by the way. Let's not forget Martin Larson. The names you've just picked. This question was ten years only, mate. So you fail. Um, the second question we had was from a guy called Ryan. I can't remember his surname. I've not, not written it down. Two-part question: What are the short-term and long-term goals for the club? And I'll let you answer this first because I've already got my answer. <laughs> Short term, uh, getting Neil Taylor on a uh, six year deal to start the club. Uh, nah, oh, yeah. he's a good guy. He's a good guy, man. Um, but uh, nah, short term goals, staying up, progressing under the play style, keeping that stability um, with everything that's going on. Stability is so important. Making sure they're getting the most out of the coaching staff, making sure they're getting the most out of Dean Smith, making sure he can perform at the best of his abilities. Keeping Jack Grealish, maybe one. Although I do feel like if Grealish goes, it unlocks a lot of options for Villa that may you know may not be palatable considering yeah. Grealish going to unlock him in the first place. But I feel like if you bring in some real firepower, if he is to go, and that's the reason why you are able to do so, that's pretty cool. But I'd say keeping hold of Grealish would be a very key goal. Um, Long term, has to be European football. We have to be getting yeah. knocked out by Siska Moscow in the, a quarterfinal again. We have to <laughs> we have to be getting to that level. Like we have to just be having that excitement. I'll, mate, I'll take Rapid Vienna in the knockout round <laughs> yeah. at this point. Yeah, send us out in the first qualifying <laughs> round just as long as one of like we went to Austria. Like that's honestly fine with me. Um yeah, I think I've written down immediate short term, stay in the Premier League. So that's take seventeenth next year if, if that's what it means. You you just cannot go back into the championship at any point for the short term um, a little bit further than short term so mid term I guess is kind of establish yourself in the Premier League and get around that 12th, 13th, 11th place and be comfortable for a, for a year or two if that's what it takes and like you said long term you get back into European competition as soon as you can whether that's what, what do you class as long term is that five years in football? Yeah five to seven years I think is long I mean, it sounds like a long time why keeping, it? Like, keeping on a manager years? for two seasons is like long time yeah. like these days so yeah the next three five seven years in that time frame 
seriously progression on progressing in installments would be uh, a very positive uh, move developing in the same way copenhagen i've you know, been a leader getting these um getting new positions in kind of refining and revolutionizing questioning what football means at a business level what it means at a psychological yeah. level our tactics level kind of being pushing yourself onto that forefront in the way that copenhagen and other teams like brentford were able to do kind of find that little niche you can exploit um would be another good short-term goal but in the next three to five to seven years kind of getting those little installments in of improving hopefully a cup win in the next yeah, in the next 10 give me a cup in the next 10 years man give me some silverware to be honest any any silverware i don't want no, no pre-season ones though just just a good trophy <laughs> the peace cup. that good trophy <laughs> if we to play like if liverpool win the league and fa cup and we're the finalist win that community shield man like, just give it like just something man does the community shield count? I don't think yeah, it does. Commu- it? I didn't think it did for a long time, but you see the heft of that thing, man. Like, <laughs> and that, you know, that one we won at Burton, that massive one, yeah, serious, yeah. serious trophy that, um, um, and the cup of traditions, that big one. But the community shield absolutely counts me. If we're we'll, we'll winning, nobody's taking that away from me. <laughs> All right, fair enough. Uh, the last question I've got on my list is: Who could we be looking at this time next year as, as having a breakthrough season for Aston Villa? Not a new signing. Somebody that is currently in the squad now and this time next year we're going, oh, I can't believe how much X has developed in that time. You feel like everyone's kind of had a breakthrough season though. Like Target was a little bit better than expected. Gilbert a little bit better than expected. Konza kicked on. Mings, McGee, Arahan. I mean, we need a striker. We need Wesley to have a breakout. If we're completely honest, it has to be the striker in the team who's looking to recover. It has to be Wesley. Yeah, but not one of the kids, Vasilev, maybe. Louis Barrow. I feel like this wouldn't be the season where you're putting in a young, a youngster no, until it's, until it's a foregone conclusion when you've announced, you confirm you're staying up. The season's set. There's five, three or four games left. Louis Barry's on the bench. Like it'd be hard to see. I'd love that to happen. You know, breaking out and exploding. But I feel like most of the players we set to have a breakout season: Louise, Harahan, um, Konza, whomever, Targi, Gilbert. Probably already have had that breakout season, if I'm totally yeah. honest. Yeah, fair. Um, that's the extent of my notes. So I'm going to scroll back up through the comments. There was a couple of co- uh, couple of questions from earlier. Uh, Gary Oakey says, why hasn't James opened his window yet? <laughs> to give you guys the best possible sound quality at the expense of my uh, life expectancy. <laughs> but there's so much noise going on outside. I've had to shut my eyes around. I've got the door yeah. shut and it's sweltering in here. So this is what we do. This is what we do for, for the quality of the sound. Um, but it is very, very hot. Comment underneath that from Leo. Is it? Yeah, Leo James. Considering the record last season, defensive record last season, do you worry at the lack of talk around new defensive targets? I'm not so it sure. It is quite man. quiet. Talk doesn't matter, though, does it? Like, if, if we're oh. being completely honest, it's like if Villa's trying to defend it, it'll probably come out of nowhere. <laughs> if to be blunt, yeah. like, last, like Wesley last season, it'll just be one of those deals where it is reported, like Nakamba in, in Nigeria, pressing people go, no, it means nothing because it's coming from Nigeria and it happens. Stuff like that. Like, um, I wouldn't be too concerned about a lack of talk right now. There's still a long time to go. People, like, people who know the transfer window aren't predicting major moves until September starts. So let's be real with it. It'll probably happen. Um, we probably won't know about it until it actually happens. <laughs> I quite like that though. I like yeah, it. I want I cool. want Villa to operate in that way where a signing comes out of nowhere. I don't I don't want to hear rumours and I know mm. part of me feels like yes, it's nice that when you, when you invested in in this and the social media world and, and whatever else, it's nice to know everything about the club. But I feel like there's a an, an element of almost 
I don't know, like class maybe or, or something yeah. like that. That it's I like, I like the idea of Villa being kind of under the radar and just getting on with it and, and like, right, we've signed this player, we've signed this player, here's what you need to know, we're ready for the Premier League. I don't kind of like the circus, if you like, of a transfer yeah. window. It doesn't so really appeal to me. It's obviously not my job to cover rumours. And I, I saw, and there was a good conversation on Twitter going, you know, why aren't this and that first of rumours? Why does it always come, have to come out of left field? I feel like giving the best possible picture of a rumour, why it fits, why it doesn't fit, why it works, why it's possibly come out, just making Villa fans understand, kind of have the full picture. It's yeah. kind of the best thing you can do with a rumour. But look, most uh, people said a lot of moves come out of the left field um, last season. I think only a few did because Konza was linked, Nakamba was linked, um, Tyron Mings, Al Ghazi, all the, a lot of Villa signings last season, Trezeguet, were linked before they were made. It was only a few solid ones that come out left, left field, especially Wesley. Yeah. So you will see, uh, there will be some of these that have truth, but I don't think there'll be much right now with so much depending on that first club making a big move and setting things in motion. Holly says, oh God's sake, how much have I missed? Uh, about oh, half an hour, Holly. Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, not 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 great from you there. Um, if, yeah, if people are listening to this after the fact, we do these on Facebook Live, so that's the first place you can listen to the podcast uh, and get involved in the comments and ask us questions directly. Um, but anyone else who's listening to this after the fact, or if you're listening to this for the first time, we're also available on Spotify, iTunes, Acast, whatever podcast provider you prefer. And we're also on YouTube, where you can see our lovely faces, our lovely hot, sweaty faces today. James, you look particularly pink and red on your on yeah, your, we, on we your got screen. Yeah, we to go. Man. <laughs> um, so just search, just search Claret and Blue or Claret and Blue podcast, and you should be able to find us wherever you prefer. Uh, any more questions? Or we've been waffling on there. Um, not really. It's pretty quiet, to be honest. I think people are quite quite satisfied that we've covered everything, which shows that we've done a good job preparing our notes did, for a change. Did a brilliant job, haven't we? We've, 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 we've got all the questions sorted beforehand. So, yes, yeah, while we kind of wrap up, if there's any more last minute questions, you've now got about thirty seconds to get them in. Um, James, have you enjoyed our little chat this afternoon? I have, but my body temperature, like I'm fading out, it's, it's boiling in here. It's yeah, awful. it's a joke, isn't it? Um, yeah, so I think we'll probably call it a day because it looks like it's dried up a little bit. Um, we'll be doing these Facebook Lives to react to any breaking news that happens from now until the end of the transfer window, so you'll be uh, happy to know you can, you can see and listen to us whenever something happens. Until then, we'll be here to, to chat about all the latest rumours and the, whether Ollie Watkins is at the Belfry or not and silly things like that. Um, and until next time, I think we'll call it a day. James, thank you very much for joining me. Get those windows open, get a drink down. Yeah, dying, man. <laughs> yeah we, we'll get it open. Thank you. Yeah, thanks everyone for uh, joining in. It's been another, yes. another solid chat, to be honest. Yeah, I enjoyed it. It's nice to go through the latest news and, and, and rumours. Um, Gary Oakley says, go and sit in a fridge, James. Got a uh, so, chest freezer and one locked myself in. <laughs> so we'll end on that note. Thanks everyone for tuning in. We'll be back uh, maybe next week. Uh, maybe this week if you're lucky, if something happens. Uh, we'll see you then. Thanks for watching. Awkward waves. Bye-bye, everyone. See ya. Thank you for listening to Claret and Blue, an Aston Villa podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, then please let us know. We love hearing your feedback. We'll be back soon with another episode. Until then, up the villa.